Coaching as Benevolence, a podcast for people who are curious about using coaching for self-development. I'm Erin with Roots and Wings Grief and Loss Coaching. And I'm LaShawn with Michelle Sage Place Positive Intelligence Coaching. Okay, so we're back um, after a short break so that Erin uh, could recover um, from her accident. Of course, it was the medication that we were worried about. Um, once she got off that heavy medication, then <laughs> we could continue. So today we are talking about um, interdependence. What does that mean? And how can we leverage that uh, when we're in times of um, need, uh, crisis, times when we need um, our community to lift us up, to help us out? Um, and how to ask for help. Oftentimes we don't know how to do that. And that's what we're going to be talking about um, in this episode. So Erin, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I don't think so, but I, I feel like I'll just start with the narrative of what's been going on with me since we had this horrific car accident. And uh, I severely broke my wrist and had to go into surgery. I had a four hour surgery and I have another surgery coming up. And, um, uh, it was, a, it was a lot because it was, you know, a pretty high speed accident. And during the, the recovery period, which I'm still in, I have just felt so supported by community. Um, and, uh, especially our school community too. Um, and really helped with like meals and, and helping with the kids for play dates and things like that. And I was thinking about this in relationship to, and I don't necessarily need to compare this, but it's just where my brain went when Evelyn died when I was 28, my firstborn daughter um, passed then. And at that stage of my life, I didn't really know how to really effectively connect to resources or accept help or even ask for help in a certain way um, that would be effective for my needs. And I think there was a lot of shame that I carried then of having to need help um, and a lot of kind of isolation on my part um, at that stage of my life. So, you know, fast forward another 10 years and here I am today and I um, have, have learned the power of asking for help and receiving help um, and and not only being the, the recipient of that help, but also paying that forward to others who go through uh, hardships or difficult times. So this concept of interdependence really comes up in my personal life. And it also came up a lot when I was working at the university because we really try to help college age students move from recognizing themselves from being independent to being interdependent which uh, is a shift because we're told a lot throughout our lifetimes, you need to figure this out for yourself. You need to, you know, do all of this on your own. Um, and there is some truth in, you know, learning things the hard way and doing things on your own, but it doesn't have to be just that. And so really shifting into this phase of interdependence, not only within college, but, but through adulthood and beyond, I think is a very powerful coaching concept and the other thing that I was thinking about with interdependence is I've had one, I, I've had a client tell me that um, she feels like she's been so codependent, but once we started to break it down, 
it sounds like this individual has been interdependent and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and in fact, it's a very healthy way of being in the world um, because we all are connected, right, in some way. So this concept of interdependence is very timely and in my own personal life and then um, where I'm at with the work that I do with, with my clients too. Um, LaShawn, what about you with interdependence? What uh, are you interested in in this topic? Well, as you were talking, there were several things that came up. One was I, I really appreciate you bringing up how it was for you when you lost your daughter and also now just comparing the two. So I, have, I had a question about that was what changed in the interim? Like, how were you able to um, reach out and what were the feelings um, that you felt in this current situation now with all of the people rallying and helping you out? Um, so I guess we'll start there because I think there were so, I mean, your, um, what you said before was so rich in content that there were three things. So let's start with the first, which was between, um, you know, the, the loss of your daughter and now what's changed for you? Yeah, I think um, the lived experience of having received help, you know, in, in adulthood and, and being more amenable to that, I think has been one shift. I also think, you know, with my current school age kids, uh, there is this level of additional community support, right? When you do have uh, a local school um, that's, you know, your neighborhood school. So I think that's another piece. And I think I was actually going through this in my mind as well. Uh, and I didn't even think about this for, for our podcast until you just asked me this question. But I was thinking about it when I was laid up on the couch with my my arm. And I was um, at the start on, you know, oxycodone for pain. And that's what they give you. And it was making me cry just nonstop. And I was trying to discern, like, is it my pain? Is it just I'm grieving this accident. Um, but once I really connected it to it, no, it's this medication that's really making me feel so sad. I went off of it and I would have, and I prefer the physical pain to the emotional pain. And I don't want to say that that's how it is in every case or in how it is for every individual. But what I started to realize in my own experience is that I, when I'm in emotional pain, um, like I was then and, and have been at various points, that type of pain hurts more deeply to me than physical pain. Uh, and so I think because I've now been in this space of being more on the physical pain size, it, it also is probably just easier and more tangible for me to say, okay, I can't use my hand. I need help, right? I need help with the kids. I need help cooking, cleaning, those types of things. Um, and, you know, it, it being in, in emotional pain, it can be really hard to ask for help. So, so that's where I, that's, that's come up for me, um, that emotional pain piece too. Yeah, no, that really resonates with me as well. I much prefer if I were to choose, I don't want either, but if I were to choose, I would uh, definitely choose physical pain over emotional pain. Emotional pain, there's a depth to emotional pain that um, I find un intolerable. I, you know, I, I've always want to, um, get out of 
um, emotional pain, whereas with physical pain, I'm able to rationalize that this will pass. Of course, I haven't dealt with chronic pain, so I really have no experience where that's concerned. Um, but I have chronic emotional pain and it's just exhausting. And if I were to um, like compare the two, I would say that I suffer more from emotional pain than I do from physical pain. Um, so that's really interesting. The effect that the, is it Oxycontin? Yeah. I think it's Oxycodone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oxycodone yeah. that, um, which is an opiate. <laughs> um <laughs> So yes, um, it's interesting that, that 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 had that emotional effect on you. And one thing that that comes up with from your response about your lived experience having received help, and then correct me if I'm paraphrasing wrong, but what I got from that was that in that experience of receiving help, you were able to maybe get the tools or the knowledge in terms of like how to ask for help where to ask for help, maybe. Because one of the things that you said that was really interesting was that often people don't know where to look for help or how to get help when they're in a situation where they need that extra uh, assistance. And my question would be, you mentioned the school. So for our listeners, um, if they're in a situation where they do need extra help and they may not have family or extended family, but schools. So if you, let's just get down to the practical here, because one of the things that I do in my nine to five is I um, work with families who are um, under-resourced. And one of the things that we do is we help families find the resources in their community that can help them when they, you know, have their car breaks down and they can't get their kids to school, um, but they don't have that extended family. They don't have the family around them. They're immigrants or they've moved from, you know, another state and they just don't have that, you know, built in community that we usually go to. So um, for you, Erin, your school community, if you could just ex explain like where the help came from and and how it came to you. Yeah, so um, one of our neighbors has a daughter in my daughter's class and then a son who's a year older than my younger daughter. So they play a lot together and we've gotten to know each other really well. And they also go to the same school. So really, you know, it was this individual that kind of took charge and got all the information out to the people, to, you know, friends in the school and some teachers and, and things like that. And what I was really impressed by was, you know, even the teacher's responses, really wanting to take care of my kids, right, having gone through a, a really scary uh, accident. And then also uh, my preschool teacher and the teacher helpers in that class, like they even signed up to bring a meal and they wrote this nice card for my daughter and all these things that I feel like, you know, is going the extra step is taking time out of their own lives to do all this extra support. Um, I just was so blown away by that. Uh, too. So I think, you know, be, having somebody connected at the school and, and really, you know, if you need to ha ask that person that that's connected at the school for specific things, I think there's nothing wrong with that because that school is your children's community. It's your family's community. And 
I'm really lucky because I we have a neighborhood school, so it's situated within our neighborhood. So that there's also that extra piece of community already embedded in there. Um, but the other thing is my my friend who really got things set up with getting all of these support resources. She was already so connected to the school to begin with um, through all of her volunteer work that she did there and things like that. Uh, so I think, you know, it's just nice to have friends and, and people in, in one's life that know how to play those roles and, and want to play those roles often of, you know, collaboration and bringing people together to support support someone. Um, so that's how, that was what I experienced this time around with the, the school. Yeah. So what I heard there was that you had or parents of your kids, uh, classmates and friends and also teachers. That is really good to know that there are people in there were people in your community who took the initiative to help out. You didn't have to say, well, I need this or I need that. They just kind of were able to take the initiative to help you out, which I think is wonderful. I, you know, when I hear about people like neighborhood committees, um, people who bring casseroles or, you know, food, you often see that in like movies and stuff like that, where the neighbors, like if there's a loss in a family, they're always bringing casseroles or <laughs> some kind of food. Yeah, I think that's really interesting to point out here, because also in our church community, we see this a similar response. And the woman leading those efforts there was, she came over and sat down mm. with me and, and interviewed me in a way like, what does your family eat? What's off limits? What What's good for healing? Like those types of things. And so she initially put all of that together um, so that it wouldn't necessarily be, you know, the same casserole all the time, but like these, these foods for bone generation and um, foods that the kids would eat and th and things like that. So I thought that was really amazing. And I have never done that for a friend where I actually sat down as the leader of like a, a meal train and said, okay, what are the specific needs here? You know, it, and it, now having experienced that, it's something I'm definitely going to do in the future for other people. It was, it was amazing. No, that is such a good point because one of the things that I often think about is when um, a friend, like in, in, in the case of um, your accident or where something happens, like I hear uh, their car breaks down or their, one of the um, breadwinners loses their job or something like that. One of the things that I personally am curious about is how can I offer help in such a way that maintains the dignity of the person? Um, and one thing that I heard from what you said about the woman from your church, she came to your house and asked you, what do you need? Um, what, what are some meals that you like? What are meals that you, food that you can't eat? So I think that that is a great thing. And then I'll take from that as well is just reaching out to the person and just asking, you know, what are meals, you know, what things will, um, promote healing or what things will help like with carpooling or, you know, whatever needs to be done, but really going to the person and asking them what they need. And that's one of the things that I'm also learning in my role in my nine to five as well. It's just sitting down with the family and saying, what do you need? 
what works for your family. Um, what is your schedule? What is your work schedule? What is your kid's schedule? Um, and then going back to the community and saying, well, can we get our van to pick up this, this child at this school? Or can we get parents who maybe live around there who could do like a carpool? So yeah, it's really just figuring out specific needs of, of the family or of the individual who needs help. And then what another thing that you said that was so interesting as well is that you're taking from your lived experience and you're also seeing how other people have helped you and how you can do the same in the future. So I think that is also really great. That's something that resonates with me as well. Yeah, and I think that's how a lot of people are wired. You just don't know until you know, and then you know you want to do better, right? Like, in I, I do believe in that innate goodness in, in human people overall. Um, that's my hope, right? Uh, so, yeah, you see that show up in these types of circumstances as well. But even thinking about like independent interdependence on a day to day basis, and maybe when they're things are going fine or there aren't these major accidents. Uh, what does that look like, LaShawn, uh, that, that might be helpful for our listeners as well? Well, um, I would like to kind of take a step back and if we could define what interdependence is, because there were some terms that came up in your original response to our topic. Interdependence, codependence, independence. Oh, gosh, yes. And <laughs> <laughs> so... And so from my perspective, interdependence is recognizing that we are social beings and that we need each other to um, do certain things. I mean, if you just look at society as a whole, what's interdependence? The fact that there are people who make sure that everyone has electricity, um, people who um, work on the roads, our government, for example, there are things that need to get done and and things that we need to um, accomplish that we can do on our own, but that we need other people for. So just think about the car that you drive. You wouldn't be able to drive that car unless you had somebody who designed and built the car. So there's some interdependence there. So on a day-to-day basis to answer your questions, the way that I see interdependence is how we work together um, to get maybe larger tasks done. You know, those things are made available to us, we're able to just drop into a store because of interdependence. People doing things to make something available to um, everyone in um, uh, the society. So um, that's where I see interdependence on a daily basis. When we work uh, in families, for example, um, working together, to make a uh, clean home. Uh, It can't all be, you know, the parents doing all the cleaning up, the kids need to clean up as well. So there's interdependence there. Like we as a family want to have a clean space. So, you know, when we're done eating, we're going to put our dishes in the sink. So we're working together uh, towards a common goal or towards a, um, yeah, like a, a common goal or a shared vision. So that's where I see interdependence on a daily basis. We, I think we can also go back and define um, codependence and independence. But for now, let's just stick with interdependence. Erin, how would you define interdependence? 
Yeah, I love how you frame that in terms of even just looking at like our kind of macro micro levels of society. It's all interdependent. Uh, we may be doing things independently sometimes, but we also know when we are practicing interdependence, when we might need to access resources or provide resources to others. And so I see that as kind of a little bit like a symbiotic relationship in a way or something that's healthful. <laughs> And then codependence seems to kind of have a little bit more of the negative connotation to it, where maybe it's over-reliance on one person to meet your needs selfishly or, or things like that. Um, and these are complex uh, terms because nothing is ever 50-50. And so what does, you know, healthful interdependence look like and when is it maybe better to to be a little bit more independent. Um, and, and those are hard questions to answer. I will say that overwhelmingly in my experience, people tend to lean that I've worked with and that I have worked with at the university more independent in terms of maybe not wanting to access resources when they know they need them. And that's that's also a hard thing too. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think just for like a practical understanding of, of one's interdependence in their own life, maybe it's helpful to ask some questions to oneself about interdependence. You know, how am I existing symbiotically in the world? How am I giving and receiving? Um, and there is nothing wrong with receiving. And that is something I had to learn in terms of um, help because it, fe it can feel really vulnerable and hard. Uh, and when we receive, we're also being interdependent when some people are really wanting to give, for instance, right? And then like you had mentioned, you know, now that I have seen how somebody, you know, interviewed me about this meal train was a really kind way to approach that. I can pay that forward now too, having received. So it's kind of like a circle in a way too. It, it never ends when we can, can take on those roles. Um, and so I don't know, sometimes it's hard with our interdependence to know, should we reach out to someone or not? Um, not as the receiver, but as the giver, right? Like, you know, what, what sh th those can be hard questions too. So I don't want it to focus solely on the, the receiving end of, of, of interdependence, but just really thinking about too, like, you know, what, what hinders our abilities to reach out to others? Um, and, and what, you know, what's our role in that in a healthy interdependent way versus maybe in a way that's not healthy or the way that's codependent. Um, I don't have answers. I just, this is <laughs> questions just coming up for me right now in this conversation. Yeah. I, um, I would echo that too. Um, I think it's really important to ask ourselves how to give in such a way that doesn't take away too much from your own well-being or um, your own, you know, identity um, or sense of self. Um, that's where the codependence comes in, where one party is giving and the other is taking. And often the giver loses them, themselves um, in the giving. And they start to lose, especially if it's a relationship and it's a codependent relationship, you can start to lose the ability to identify your own needs because you're so hyper-focused on the other person's needs and meeting the other person's needs. 
But to go back to interdependence, I do think needs is part of it. And I believe that when we focus on interdependence, we may be focusing on the needs of both or the all parties involved, where one's needs is not more important than the other, that it's equal. Your needs are as important as my needs. And how can we work together to meet each other's needs in such a way that it honors both and recognizes that the, the value of the needs are equal? The needs may not be equal. That's the important part. But the value of the needs is equal. That's one thing that came up as you were talking. And the other thing that came up about independence. So I believe that when it comes to our inner world, I think that's when we need to focus on independence. So for example, integrating, you go, you know, that's part of your coaching as well. My coaching, integration, integration of the different parts of ourselves so that we can feel whole and authentic and balanced. I think that's where independence is important. And I think that's one of the reasons why parents are encouraged to encourage their children to work things out on their own, because there is that need to trust oneself and to believe in one's ability to help oneself without focusing on uh, external forces, parents, friends, society to fix things for us. I think where independence is important is our inner work. And by inner work, I mean integrating those parts of ourselves, selves that we may not like, for example, our judgmental side or our scared side or the side that wants to blame everyone else. Integrating that part of ourselves and really focusing on that and looking at what it is we need and how to meet those needs that's where I think independence is important and where inter interdependence is important is um, those external things, you know, like, for example, making meals or um, getting insight from other people, um, hearing their stories or getting professional um, help for that kind of thing. That's where interdependence comes in. What do you think, Erin? Yeah, I think that's a really wise way to look at in independence as the internal piece where we integrate kind of all aspects of our being. Uh, I, I think that framing is really neat. And I think it works really well with whatever scenario or, or wherever we're at. Because, yeah, we are with us as individuals having our own identities and our way to navigate the world um, that's unique to us, right? It's our own blueprint. I think that's something that in coaching, we can often work on together, right? Like being able to explore that and, and really help people find meaning within that and how that's going to work for them in the world. And then tying that into the interdependence piece and how that, um, you know, how they'll be using those mechanisms or strategies to ask and or receive, ask for and or receive help or, and also just uh, interdependence doesn't always have to be necessarily like that black and white, right? Like with the, the giving and the receiving, but even just in the way that we share information and the way that we collaborate on ideas to move society forward or things like that, uh, we're able to do that 
in a in a in a healthy way when we have really done the internal work that comes up in in coaching. So I I really appreciate that you brought that up, Lashawn. That makes a lot of sense, and I hope I um, didn't take it misinterpreted um, in any way. But I think uh, that's the other piece where it can be really hard because like when you take that to the workplace and you've been doing a lot of that work to understand yourself and all your shadows and all of the things that you're integrating into your personhood. And then the work environment doesn't necessarily meet that or people are at different spots in their journey, which is how it's always going to be, right? <laughs> it's always going to be uh, that way in terms of different from one's own experience in that way. Um, but it can be really hard. And so mm-hmm. I think one of the other questions that comes up for me and that comes up in coaching are given that we know, um, you know, existing as our unique selves can be really challenging. Maybe what are some coping strategies to integrate our independence with the interdependent world that maybe doesn't match our, our independent needs? Right. Um, I think that that is a really good point that you made about if you're doing all the inner work, but when you go into a work situation, you are met with people who are not as self-aware or do not honor that. I think that it's really important to, of course, be aware of the fact that not everybody is as attuned to their inner world as you are. And I believe that when you've done the work, uh, the inner work, and you know who you are, and you know your strengths and weaknesses, you can um, recognize when someone doesn't. And hopefully you can have the compassion to recognize, okay, this person is not as self-aware as I am. And I can take care of myself and my own needs, recognizing that whatever problems, if this person is difficult, if this person is disrespectful, or if this person is rude or uh, violating my boundaries, I can recognize that this person is not as self-aware as I am. And you can set your own boundaries and, 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 and communicate that to the person. So that, again, is independence. But the interdependence is also being um, assertive uh, about your boundaries and about what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Whether or not that person can handle that isn't your responsibility. And I think that's also part of interdependence as well, is recognizing where your responsibilities lie and where the other person's responsibilities lie and not taking on that other person's responsibility. So we're all responsible for our emotions. We're all responsible for our, you know, meeting our needs. And if a person is incapable of respecting boundaries, then it's not our responsibility to take on that person's needs or that person's inability to respect our boundaries. We can just leave or, you know, do what we can to make sure that we don't interact with that person very much. But of course, if we are in a work situation, that can be difficult, especially if they're your boss. And um, that's where you might want to navigate the system in terms of like human resources or um, maybe finding another job or going to another department doing what you need to do to have a work environment that's psychologically safe. You are, you deserve that. 
And that's where interdependence comes in, where you can use other um, avenues to make that happen. And I think it's easy to look at your situation, especially if you're dealing with an abusive boss or supervisor or someone that you interact with on a daily basis. It's very easy to tell yourself that there's no way out or you just have to tolerate it. And I think if we can give ourselves permission to ask for help when we need it from other people in the hierarchy of the workplace, there's almost always someone higher that we can go to. If your boss is an executive director, almost always there's a board of directors or something or um, something that you can do to kind of go uh, you know, above that person or talk to human resources, which is supposed to be separate from that anyway. So there are ways to protect your psychological space. And I think that's something that requires independence in terms of knowing what your value is and your worth is and knowing that you deserve a psychologically safe space. And the interdependence is where you can look for other people to assist you. And I don't know if I've just kind of gone into left field or whatever, but what do you think, Erin? <laughs> no, I think you have some really important, helpful tips in there, like with how to navigate the system when needed, if, if things are not working out well um, with, with one's interdependence. Um, I think also it, it can be really helpful to talk with a coach or a therapist or somebody to start processing if you're starting to recognize that things don't necessarily seem very healthy, uh, but it's maybe hard to pinpoint why. Uh, it, it's always good to have uh, the opportunity, I think, to really talk things through in, in a space where you, as you mentioned, you know, are psychologically safe. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think that it's one of those things that, you know, sometimes we don't notice it until maybe you listen, you're like, wait a second, <laughs> is my workplace, you know, healthy or is this a healthy relationship or things? Uh, it can be sometimes really hard to even, because we're going through life, right? Like not maybe really busy and not having the time to really ask those questions. And now that that question has been opened up, that's the other thing that I think is really important and really invaluable is that you take care of yourself when you start to look at those things. Um, you know, it can be easy to then think about it all the time, or it can be easy to self-destruct at work, or it can be easy to uh, kind of completely isolate. Like all of these co like maladaptive coping kind of functions or, or mechanisms when we first open ourselves up to looking at maybe things that aren't as healthy as we once thought, because it can be really shocking and it can be really hard. Uh, so really, if that happens for, for anyone out there, if they are recognizing um, that things are not as good as they thought they were, um, I think it's a really important thing to, to talk to, you know, neutral people in your life as much as you can. Um, and I'm sure there are other ways to also process, right, like exercise and journaling and things like that. Uh, I tend to, my go-to is <laughs> verbal processing, whether with a therapist or a coach. And I think that that can be really helpful. Yeah, that's a good point. That also, I think using professionals like coaches, therapists is another example of interdependence because 
independently, you know, we know we can do the inner work and the interdependence would come in with having someone to help facilitate processes that will help us better understand ourselves. So that's where I see interdependence um, in terms of using resources like professionals, like coaches and therapists and um, even, you know, seminars. Anything that can give you skills, processes that will help you develop healthy skills to adapt to certain environments or to take care of yourself. And I also think that the more that we are able to understand ourselves, the better off people will be in an interdependent sense. So if there is a network of people who know themselves, understand boundaries, and also love and value themselves, then it's easier to have an interdependent relationship because both parties are better equipped to meet their needs in a healthy way. So given, you know, the talk today on, on interdependence, uh, one coaching nugget of wisdom I have is to continue the inner work and look for all the ways that you are inter interdependent and where that's actually going well, and and think about uh, how that can be applied to other areas of your life. So that's my nugget for today on interdependence. Yeah, and along those lines, I would say um, another coaching nugget would be to ask those questions um, in terms of where in your life are you independent, where in your life are you codependent, and where in your life are you interdependent? And how does that show up in your life? How does it feel? What does it feel like for you when you're independent? What does it feel like when you have some codependent relationships or interactions? And what does it feel like when you have an interdependent interaction or interdependent relationship? And, you know, just do an inventory, an um, objective inventory of those aspects of your life. And, you know, with no judgment, just observe. Thanks for joining us for Coaching as Benevolence. I'm LaShawn with Michelle Sage Place, Positive Intelligence Coaching. And I'm Erin with Roots and Wings, Grief and Loss Coaching. Have a benevolent day.